0: Welcome to Stop Telling and Start Listening with David Cook. If you're frustrated with the way we are speaking or not speaking to each other, if you find yourself easily at odds in your conversations with people, this may be just the show for you. Listen in as David and his guests will help you elevate your communication skills and navigate the tensions present in many conversations today. Now, here is David Cook.
1: Hey, uh, good afternoon, everybody. This is David Cook. Welcome to another episode of Stop Telling and Start Listening. Uh, interesting little change in events today. I'm looking forward to this. Um, he, in some respects, this is like this was what I would call the ultimate challenge. What happens when uh, the your guest is uh, sick? They took they took ill with COVID and they were unable to participate. Stuff happens, and I completely understand that. And I have two people in my uh, universe who are usually available to help me on a moment's notice as a backup when I have a sick guest or a guest that can't make it for whatever reason. And unfortunately, both of them are unavailable. So I went 0 for 3 before the show today. And as a result, congratulations to my audience. Um, You have me, which is going to be fun. It's going to be a good experiment for us. And I tell you that up front because I please stay with the show because there's something I want to talk about, uh, share with you, and it's going to be of interest. And uh, it, it it starts with a story. Everything good begins with a story. In fact, everything's good with a story. Everything's good as a story. Um, several years ago, many, many years ago, in fact, actually, this is the reason why we're doing the podcast more than anything else is the transformational experiences that I had over the last 15 years of my life uh, have led me to this point where I feel like I have a message to share. I have a purpose. I have something that I'm passionate about. And here we are today, plugging in, give you, and I've done an introductory to this podcast, you know, what's this listening thing all about? But I wanted to spend a little bit time on one of the lessons that I've learned uh, on this journey that I'm going to share with you right now, and if you've listened to the podcast you've gotten snippets of it in fact i probably have told this story in some greater or lesser detail but around 2008 i found i was living in arizona and i found out that my uh, youngest child i have three kids three children my youngest child my uh, my son uh second son is dealing was dealing with a heroin addiction he was living in detroit i was in uh, phoenix arizona at the time got a call that he was arrested and and stuff like that i'm not gonna go into too much detail with that story but you know the minute i found out that my son was arrested uh in jail in detroit i bought a ticket to an airplane raced up to detroit and decided i was going to go save my kid and if anybody knows anything about the court system you just don't show up and say hey i'm his dad i'm going to take over Um, there are laws there is a process there are people with authority that says no dude that's not that easy and I spent the next month or so negotiating with the, uh, with the judge, with the probation officer, with my son, ironically, uh, to try to get his situation transferred to Arizona so he could come back with me and live in Arizona and we could deal with his addiction-related issues there. Uh, the story that I told myself in my head is rescuing my son is all I needed to do was get him to Arizona, get him around mom and dad, and life would be good. Um, again, if it was only that simple. Uh, He was there a little while and he got in trouble, et cetera, et cetera. And I began the journey as a parent with a child with a substance abuse issue. And we have talked about that a little bit before, what that means. But I spent the next two years of my life learning what it meant to be a parent of a child with a substance abuse issue and the experiences uh, associated with that, the wide ranging experiences associated with that. There was... Uh, my son getting arrested, my son relapsing, my son overdosing, um, stealing from me, stealing from his family, you know, his his sister, uh, his brother, um, relapsing again, arrest again, et cetera, et cetera. It became very, very, very frustrating. And uh, over the course of about a two-year period of time, I think I experienced all the waves of emotions from the highs of thinking that my son is in a good place to the lows of watching him get arrested in, um, in front of me in my own house. And I think the lowest point for me was one Christmas day, probably like 2010, when um, my son right before Christmas, my son and one of my television sets went disappearing and we didn't see him for a couple of days. And it was just awful. The experience for me over the course of those couple of years was I, you know, started gaining weight. Um, I started isolating myself away from my friends. I had trouble focusing on work. I was massively depressed. Um, extremely felt uh, an extreme sense of failure as a parent and as a human being. Judgmentally so, in some senses that you know, here I am. I'm a I'm I'm a I'm a proud, loving dad, and I emphasize proud because. Uh, use that word proud is because that's what it is i'd like to think that i was a good dad i was like to think that my kids knew they were loved i'd like to think that my kids my children you know experienced uh great coaching great development great insights and stuff like that so you know there was a sense of personal uh accomplishment that comes from being a good parent as a proud parent i feel like i did a good job and then you sit there in contrast they say look at your one son is Life is a mess. It's a disaster. It's torn apart. It's awful. You know, what kind of parent am I that I can't coach my coach, love, and encourage my son out of his addiction? So I went from being a proud parent to a humbled parent to a broken parent to a defeated parent. And it was in that defeated that I realized that you know, something had to change in my life. And the thing that really I really focused on. Uh, changing in my life was, I, you know, it was really still outbound behaviors. I was looking at what do I need to do to get my son to stop using um, the drugs he was using? What do I need to do to get my son to embrace a life of sobriety? What I need to do to get my son to do the things that he needs to do to to emerge from the situation that he's in, to be in compliance with the law, to pass drug tests, to get a job? What do I need to do? And, it, and no matter what I did, you know, cause it does take two people to do that. I can coach love and encourage my son, but I can't make him do anything. Um, we can't make anybody do anything that they don't want to do. And I think that, uh, that was a harsh reality for me because I'm a person who likes to be in control. I'm a person who likes to have that kind of influence. And it was, you know, a very, uh, cold reality when I realized came to the harsh reality that, I don't have as much control as I think I do I don't have as much as control, and I didn't have as much control as I thought I did but this still was that was the quest is how do I get my son to how do I have the influence the authority the power of the words to move my son to a different place didn't happen but with every failure with every letdown, with every relapse with every setback it, I took it personally I took it emotionally um physically Uh, mentally intellectually as a failing and it 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 got to that point where i was totally broken as a dad and as a man as a human being because it was like my life sucks my son is in the worst place he could possibly be in his life he's fighting a life and death battle that he doesn't even really feel like fighting and here i am trying to get him to take up the battle and he's not taking it i was beat so one night in the middle of the night this is a long story sorry one night in the middle of the night I woke up from a deep sleep, you know, was I had no trouble falling asleep during this whole period with my son. But I did have tr- tr- trouble staying asleep And a couple hours into um, my night's sleep, I'd wake up. And this happened often, especially when my son was on the street somewhere. And this time I woke up. And it's like, Oh, yeah, that's right. My life sucks. My life's a disaster. And that reality that here I am, I'm by myself, it's dark, it's cold, it's sad, it's brutal, and I'm awake just sitting in, in the reality of the mess. So I went outside, sat on the porch, as I often do in those situations, and I would say two prayers. And first prayer was, God, wherever my son is, please bring him home safely to me. And then the second prayer was, please help me get through this. And if you haven't heard the story before, um, you know, what happened next was there's a, a, an aha moment. It was like, Dave, you've been here before. You've been on this perch before with this emotion, with this prayer. And things haven't changed. What are you going to do to change the situation for you? Because I I recognized in that moment how broken, how beat, how defeated I was feeling and how hopeless I was feeling. I was desperately hanging on to this fact that somehow I have to find my how help my son find his way, completely ignoring the fact that I have a life to live and have responsibilities to my to my wife and to my um, other children, to my clients, just to my life in general, and I was had turned everything over in this quest to save my son, and so I started talking to myself and out loud. I think if people saw me on the porch; they probably thought I lost my mind. Two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. Here's Dave talking to himself. But I said, "Dude, you know, you need to you need to do something about this." And then the question back was, "Well, what do you what are you thinking?" I said, "Well, you know." You, you haven't been riding your bike much. And when you ride your bike, your life is different. When you're out on your bike, you, it just frames the day for you. The rest of the day always goes better. It doesn't mean the day is great, but the day always goes better. And you just need to get out there and ride your bike. So a series of conversations interactions, whatever. I rode my bike for a hundred days for an hour a day and um started journaling and jot and and jotting down notes and thoughts from my bike rides and i got inside my head and i got connected to me and those bike rides completely changed my life after 100 days think of that it was really pretty cool i rode my bike for an hour a day for 100 days in a row something i didn't think i could do but deep down inside i knew i could if i had to and when I got done with the bike rides, I turned and I looked at my son and I said, um, I'm not responsible for your recovery anymore. And my son looked at me and says, that's good. Now I now I can be. And it was kind of like an awakening. Was that my son knew he didn't have any responsibility for his recovery because I was that guy who was sitting in, in the seat next to him or chirping in his ear, reminding him of all the things he needed to do to embrace recovery. So what responsibility did he have to have if I was telling him about all the things he needed to do? So when I stepped back and said, I'm out, I love you, I'll support you, I'll encourage you, I'll be with you, but I'm not getting involved with your situation. It was very empowering for me. It was very empowering for him. So I got done with the bike ride. I made my declaration of um, healthy distancing with my son. Um, I'm going to love him, be the dad that he needs me to be, not sit there and try to be the dad I think I need to be. I'm going to allow him to make his choices, even though he already was, but the notion of me allowing him to make his choices were real and I and I let go. And so after these bike rides and these journals and these blogs and these things, I was sharing with people was one time I said, you know, it's been a hundred days, more than a hundred days at this point in time, since you sat on the porch and you and you declared that your life was a mess. And here you are feeling a sense of energy and opportunity and empowerment and enthusiasm for who you are, where you are, what did you learn? Good question. What did I learn? So I wrote some things down and organized them, and and that's what we're going to talk about. Really, you know, right now is the four the the what I call originally called them the four wheels of personal leadership, um, and I used a bike as a metaphor. My son, you know, down the road when he heard me give that talk, he thought the the four wheels on a bike was cheesy, even though it was creative. He thought it was cheesy and. I internalized this message. So now I've shifted it to the four per- pillars of personal leadership. But regardless, that's what this is about. You know, we are responsible for how we live our life. You know, personal leadership, you know, I think that a lot of times we defer um, to other people in various forms and fashions. I'm, res- you know, I, I'm, I'm accountable to these people for this. Uh, I can only do so much because there's so there's a limited amount of opportunity because and, and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, not really. There are two things that we have control over. There are two things that we absolutely positively have control over. It's our attitude. And our effort. And when you think about your attitude and your efforts, like, how do I, how am I going to live my life and, and how am I going to accomplish the things that I desire to accomplish? If you want it bad enough, you will find it. That doesn't mean that necessarily you're going to hit the exact goal that you've set us set for your life. I think sometimes that's a fallacy and I would discuss that with anybody who wants to, you can come on the show and talk to me about, you can be do and accomplish anything you want. There is a sense of that that is true there's also a sense of that that is is not true but is the idea of believing believing that you have the ability to accomplish the things that you desire that you to accomplish you have the ability to get there i think that that's important we don't need other people well we need other people to help us get there but we don't need permission from other people to be successful We choose to be successful. We choose to be successful by our attitude and by our effort. And so, you know, that's, that's the thing we have control over. And so I sat down and I was looking at these four pillars of leadership, the four wheels of personal leadership, however you want to call it. And it comes down to basically four things is what I wrote down. First one is, and we're going to talk about these in greater detail after the break, but the first one is um, embracing responsibility. Um leadership the uh, leadership tool number one is embrace responsibility. That means that um, you are responsible for the direction of your life. We'll talk more about that going forward. The second one is live with passion. and that's talking about the energy that we bring into our life. back to the attitude and effort. What is our attitude and effort in this situation? and the amount of energy that we bring into that situation. It's not about being perpetually positive, because I think that talk about things that are cheesy. I think that's a bit of a cheesy phrase. But at the same time, what kind of energy do we bring? What kind of passion do we bring to who we are in our interactions with others and with ourselves and in the universe on a daily basis? The third um, pillar of personal leadership is um, practice humility. Um, humility is, is, a is an interesting tool because we're supposed to be proud and cocky and confident and all that other stuff. But one of the things that I've learned, especially with my journey with my son is, um, you know, you can celebrate your accomplishments and you can give yourself a high five for the things that you celebrate, but the truth of the matter is you don't do it alone and you don't get out of you know situations that are difficult and challenging alone. You need others. You need to recognize in your humility that there are things that you can work on, there are things that you don't know, et cetera. And so we're gonna talk about that. And then the last one is um, a live, a practice perseverance. And the whole idea of perseverance is enduring, getting through, staying moving, accomplishing the things that you need to, that, you know, that you set out to and finding a way. I think a lot of times people, um, just like even with my bike ride, I got through the hundred days. There's no doubt in my mind, but a lot of times, you know, there were were there days where it was difficult. I don't know. Cause I didn't focus on, you know, whether it was easy or hard, I focused on what I needed to do. And that's what I focused on. I don't know if I had a stiff back. I don't know if I had a headache. I don't know if it was windy. I don't know if it was rainy. I don't remember any of those specifically because I was so zeroed in on what I needed to accomplish that that's what it was, was it was perseverance. So um when we come back from break, I'm gonna dive into each one of these four. Again, it's um embrace responsibility, live with passion, practice humility, and um uh pra- practice perseverance, live, you know, be be per- persevere. That's really what it's all about. And when we come back from break, we'll start diving into each one of these in a little bit more detail. And as always, especially now because I'm solo today. got any questions, comments, thoughts, questions, whatever you want to do, please call me or email me because I'd love to hear from you and we can talk through this. We'll see you on the other side of this break.
2: Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. We are living in a time where a relentless commitment to opinions and beliefs are dividing communities and fracturing crucial relationships. Making ourselves right and those who disagree with us wrong leaves little room for engaging in a constructive learning dialogue. There is little opportunity to change minds, find common ground, or solve complex problems. Those who are not being heard or understood become angry, hurt, lost isolated, alone, and more. While mental health related issues are on the rise, too few know how to safely share their struggles, and far too many don't know how to care about those that do. While it is increasingly frustrating to experience an increase in this communication divide, there is hope, and according to David Cook, there is an answer. The answer lies in how we adjust our communication style and shift our listening behaviors in his radio show stop telling and start listening host david cook introduces his audiences to the power found in creating a safe place for sharing life perspectives and experiences without judgment criticism correction or shame there are tremendous opportunities in learning to see the world from the eyes of another join david on mondays at 11 pacific Discover how shifting your listening behaviors will close the divide that exists between you and others in your community. It's your
0: world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Stop Telling and Start Listening. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Or you can email Dave at dave at thecookgroupllc.com. Now, back to the show with David.
1: Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is David Cook on Stop Telling and Start Listening. Going solo today, and we're talking about the four pillars of personal leadership. So let's talk about the first pillar. You know, before break, I talked about my journey, the things that I was doing with my son and trying to gain control of his life, trying to maintain control of my life and losing control of both. Um, And again, not really having a sense of balance or perspective on what I could control and what I can't control. And when we took the break, I introduced the four pillars really quickly. But the one thing that I reminded you is that we have two things that we have control over our attitude, in our effort and i think that's really important to remember that is um we assign we have a tendency i I say we it's like you know personally however you want to look at it but to different different levels different extents but sometimes we give people too much credit for their influence in our life and we we surrender it or we release it or we don't we tell ourselves we can't reclaim it And so we have a tendency to give things away to people that we're not even aware of. And I think that that's the thing that I discovered in my bike ride more than anything else. When I did those hundred days, it was a choice that I made. It was a decision that I made that I needed to do something to change my life. I didn't need to go to my wife and ask permission. I didn't need to sell her on this idea. I sat down on my porch at the middle of the night and said, you know what, dude, you have got to do something about your life and the question at that point in time is okay what do i need to do i'm a big believer and yeah, i hope you heard have heard me before talk about um, networking and resources and collaboration there's a term in the leadership thing called humility so it's not like i do it's not like this is a selfish undertaking so yeah this is i'm dave cook and i'm going to do whatever the hell i want that's really not what it is but at the same time it's like i am david cook and i this is my life and my life is a mess and I need to do something about it. And I don't really need necessarily to confer with other people to get in touch with myself as to what it is that I need to do, why I need to do that, or how I'm going to get there. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to do it alone. But it does mean that I need to understand in, you know, from within what it looks like when I am where I need to be where I am, where I desire to be. That's, that's clarity that comes only from inside. Um, you can get coached into that clarity if you needed it. That's what, that's what life coaches are for. That's what, uh, executive coaches are for. It's like, yeah, you know, here's where I'd like to be, but I'm struggling and people can help you find the way, but the, where I desire to be, what I desire to accomplish, that's a, that's an inside job. That's what drives you, what drives your heart, what drives your energy. And we'll talk a little bit about that because that's actually the second wheel or the second pillar. But the first pillar of personal leadership is embrace responsibility. And I use a bike as a metaphor for these four pillars. And so in this situation, it's uh, the part of the bike that's about talks about embracing responsibility it has everything to do with the front of the bike, the handlebars and the front wheel. When You look at the handlebars and the front wheel of a bicycle. That's where you choose where you're going. That's how you choose the direction, the path that you're on, on your bicycle, or that's how you choose the path and direction for your life. You choose it. You are responsible for those choices in terms of the direction of your life. Um, Yes, people, you know, sometimes you don't get promoted, sometimes you get fired, sometimes you get divorced, sometimes you get, you know, a relationship, you have a breakup, you know, sometimes you get sick, et cetera, et cetera. Things do happen. They happen to us. They happen in such a ways that they can interrupt um our plans for our life. But that doesn't mean we stop cold. It means that we in the as navigators of the journey of our life we find a way to to, we find a path We say, okay this is where i'm at this is where i desire to be how am i going to get there where am i going and that's the that's the embracing responsibility piece you are responsible Um, i am responsible for the direction path guidance of my life and i need to embrace that responsibility i use the word responsibility um uh for a very specific reason there's you know people talk talk about um accountability they talk about responsibility um accountability to me always sounds like yeah i need somebody to hold me accountable uh, i need you to hold me accountable i'm going i will be accountable that means that somebody's checking up on me that means that somebody's making sure that i haven't gotten lost stuck or confused um to me responsibility is one step above accountability responsibility says i got this i own it and I'm you can count on me to be to work on it diligently. That's to me, responsibility. That's why I am that's why I um, attach embrace responsibility to this as, as important or critical, because that's really what this is about. What am I doing to take responsibility for the path the direction and outcomes in my life, because I'm ultimately the one who's responsible for those results. I am the one who, who, um, when we sit down and take inventory, says, okay, Dave, this is where you wanted to be. How's it going? What are you doing? What's working? What's not working? What are you changing, tweaking, and improvement to get there? It's all about the things that I'm doing to work on myself in responsibility to the direction I've chosen for my life. So that's what embracing responsibility is all about. I embrace it. I own it. I take it over and I focus on where I'm going. That's the front wheel. That's the handlebars on the front wheel. The second um, pillar of personal leadership is live with passion. When I talk about living with passion, it's not like you know, hey, I got all this energy, rah rah, woohoo, positivity, and stuff like that, because that's that's cheerleading stuff. And and, and encouragement and affirmation are very important. So we need to be, we need to find times to. Uh, cheer ourselves up, lift ourselves up, listen to the words of others and encouragement and stuff like that. And so that passion and positivity that comes from that is good. But when I'm talking about living with passion, it's more like um, uh, when you think about the bicycle, the bicycle, there's, there's my legs, my feet, my pedals, the crank to the chain. Okay. Um, The bike goes as fast as I put energy into it. When I say energy, it's power. It's force, it's effort, you know, all those things, um, enthusiasm. Um, when we talk about how I'm moving my bike, my bike through my life, it's like, yeah, how much energy are you putting into this? How much effort are you putting into this? How committed are you to this, this thing where you're giving it all? You know, are you giving it all you got? That's living with passion. And a component of living with passion is understanding what drives, inspires, and guides you your dig. What is your dig? What drives, inspires, and guides you? What fires you up every day? What inspires you to roll out of bed? What inspires you to celebrate life? Um, And then what guides you? What are your values? What do you stand for? Um, How do you live those values out? How do others experience that? So when you understand what drives you, inspires you and guides you, and you keep your life in focus, to those things you're going to have a lot you're going to put a lot more energy into the activities that you're engaged with a lot more enthusiasm a lot more effort a lot and as a result um you're going to go farther faster because you're fired up you're into it you're committed you love it and so that's what the second wheel is is that how much effort energy force from your what drives inspires and guides you that puts those pedals into work and gets that bike moving the bike of your life, moving down the path that you've chosen to be on. And so that's, that's the second wheel of personal leadership. And I think it's real important to understand that because I think a lot of times when it gets in, when we get in trouble, especially with the guides thing, when we get in trouble is because we don't necessarily know our own our value system. It's like, yeah, you know, people say, well, it depends. no, Your value system is your value system. It does not change. You are who you are. You believe what you believe. You stand for what you stand for. And when you get out of integrity, um, you get out of, you get out of your dig, you get out of energy because now you're confused. You're frustrated. You're fighting yourself. This is who I'm who, this is who I want to be. This is how I want people to experience me. These are the things how I want to live my life. And when you compromise those, when you, when you ignore them, when you do that, you're out of integrity. When you're out of integrity, you're not in energy. You're not in passion. You're fighting for your passion. So I look at that thing as being real important is your value system. What drives inspires and guides you is critical for you to, you need to be clear with those things in order to go where you want to go, um, with the force that you have within you to get there. The next, um, uh, pillar of personal leadership is what I call practice humility. And practice humility is interesting on a bicycle. You know, I, use the, I use the back wheel as my metaphor for this on a bike is because when you look at the, um, the view that the back tire gets on a bicycle, there's not a whole lot to see. You're not in the front, so you don't get to see things first. You're not in charge. You're not in control. Um, If you look up, all you're seeing is the back end of the guy ride, the individual riding the bike. If you look straight ahead, what you're seeing is there's a seat post and the handlebars and the legs and all. It's kind of hard to see through. It's so sitting in the back. Isn't all that exciting? You know, it's kind of humbling. But one of the things that's really interesting is if you look at a bicycle, if all we had was one wheel and that wheel was missing, the bike wouldn't go anywhere. It doesn't have a whole lot of balance. You're trying to like balance. You know, anybody anybody try to learn to ride a unicycle, which is a one you know one wheeled bike? Um, it's a challenge. It takes a while to learn that because there's a lot of balance required. It's a lot easier to learn how to ride a two wheel bike because that second wheel, that back wheel, as insignificant it is, as crappy as the view is that comes from it, that back wheel um, provides a lot of value to the to the journey it provides balance, it provides support. And that's what humility is about, is um, recognizing that you can't do this alone. Recognizing there's gonna be times where you're going to need something, you're gonna need the perspective of somebody else, um, the support and encouragement of somebody else. Um, recognizing that anything that you've accomplished, while well, you can high five yourself and say, oh, thank goodness for my effort, thank goodness for my choosing my direction, but the reality is that there are people supporting, encouraging, affirming, educating, coaching, teaching, mentoring, whatever words. You're getting support other, other, in other places and recognize how they bring balance to your life. And when you're stuck, how they help you find um, ways out. So practicing humility is a big deal because everything that we accomplish, we accomplish, um, you know, we do accomplish. We get to cross the finish line. You know, I've done some races and run the marathon i've run a marathon i've ridden my bike across country i've done all sorts of crazy things and but in every situation yeah i was the guy doing all the running (laughs) right i yeah i was the guy doing all the pedaling right yep but when i think about uh, the marathon that i ran in columbus is that i was at about the 15 mile mark and i was struggling and it was hurting and I was suffering from, you know, lack of confidence. I had 11 miles to go. I didn't know what I where I was going or what I was doing. I was really hurting. And my sister-in-law, who was about six months pregnant at the time, and she was a runner, she just had the urge to run and she decided she was going to run with me for a while. And so we ran and we talked and we talked and we ran. And from the 15-mile mark to the 20-mile mark, when she turned around and started heading back to the crowd, um, I had a friend with me. And um it wasn't like it diminished the result of the marathon you know yeah i didn't really run it alone i had a friend join me to kind of carry me through um but i did i ran it alone i accomplished alone but there was a place where i needed somebody to help me and they were there and the same thing with my cross-country bike trips yeah i didn't ride my bike alone i had a support vehicle and i had people take week you know week off of work to uh, devote um, a day, a series of days to ride with me in the car to make sure that I had everything I need, my water, my food, my snacks, uh, make sure I didn't get lost, uh, anything I needed for repairs. It didn't diminish my effort. But what it did was it made it possible because somebody was there to help me. And in my humility, I need to recognize that yeah, I rode across country, but I wouldn't have been able to do it without my friends. That's humility. I'm lost. I can't go any further. I need a little help. And that's good. And I think that's important to recognize that we don't do things alone. We don't accomplish things alone. We don't celebrate our accomplishments alone. We need to recognize that there's always somebody participating, or there's always somebody available to give us some uh, guidance and direction when necessary. So that's, that's the fourth pillar of personal leadership is practicing humility. Um, <clears throat> and then the last one is um and i'm struggling and i i have lost my notes but anyway it's it, it's commit to perseverance and i use those words uh interchangeably because a big part of it is commitment um your your commitment to but also the per, uh perseverance piece of it is nothing goes according to plan i struggle with this a lot when people talk about this is my goal and that's great i love it when people have a goal um this is my objective but to sit there and lay it out and say, okay, here's, here's the, you know, the 30 day plan, the 60 day plan, the five-year plan. It's kind of like, really, when's the last time life went according to plan? Why do we even have a plan? I'm a big fan of saying, here's the finish line. Here's what it looks like when I cross the finish line. Here's the things that I believe I need to do to get started in that direction. Or here's the things I believe that I'm going to need to accomplish along the way. Great. But when I start to schedule it out, map it out, um, a sequence of events that are going to happen with that stuff, like, yeah, I don't know, man. What you really need to do is you need to make a commitment to the plan and then make a commitment to persevere when things go awry. And when you look at the back wheel or you would look at when you look at where that uh, on a bicycle where that commit to persevere sits. It's in the back series of gears. There's five or six or seven or eight gears. I don't know what the number is. I don't count them. I'm a cyclist, but I don't know equipment very well. There's a whole bunch of gears. And what are they there for? To help you keep moving, to help keep you going. You now you get on a steep grade and you find the easiest gears. You find what we call the granny gear and you just hang in there and get there. You keep moving because I commit to perseverance Is Things aren't gonna go according to plan. Things aren't going to go easy. You need to find a way to keep it going. And that's what that fourth wheel of personal leadership is. Commit to persevere. Commit to getting there and finding ways to do it. Because once you say, remember at the beginning, I said, this is the path. This is, this is the direction I have for my life. I'm going to cross the finish line here. And the only way you can get there is to stay with it. There's going to be stuff that interrupts it. I'm going to get um, detoured. I'm going to get lost. I'm going to get confused. I'm going to get coached. Um, I know what I stand for, but I need to find a way to keep moving. And so that's really what the fourth wheel of personal leadership is about is um, your commitment to persevering, to finding a way to keep moving. Find that gear that keeps you moving, keeps you moving forward. So when we come back um, from break, I'm going to go a little bit deeper in some life examples of of how I apply these, have, have applied these uh, rules and um what they mean to me, and then also give you some advice on how you can apply these four pillars of personal leadership in your life. So stay tuned as we come back for the uh, after break, come back for the third segment of Stop Telling and Start Listening.
2: Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. We all struggle with relationship tensions in the home or at work or with a loved one. Often that tension causes us to avoid communicating with that individual because it usually ends up in a fight or an argument that only makes things worse. In the show Stop Telling and Start Listening, host David Cook shares the lessons of his personal experiences to help you engage in healthy, insightful conversations for healing broken or damaged relationships. After a successful professional career as a sales pro, executive, and consultant, David Cook discovered, in a significant, transformational way, the impact a shift in listening had on the father-son relationship during his youngest child's struggles with a heroin addiction. After loving his son with various reactive behaviors of shame, guilt, criticism, judgment, David discovered that when he made a commitment to understand his son's struggles, to learn about the addiction journey from his son's perspective and meet him where he was in his addiction, David realized he was rebuilding their relationship in powerful, influential ways. David's show, Stop Telling and Start Listening provides listeners guidance and insight to the powers of listening, selfless listening. Instead of avoiding the people we are struggling to understand or communicate with, David provides listeners with tools they can utilize to facilitate an authentic, safe sharing of personal and real perspectives and experiences. He teaches us how to navigate into areas of communication tension to help repair broken or damaged relationships, build trust with those we need to lead or support, and solve complex problems with impactful, lasting solutions. Join David on Mondays at 11 Pacific for a listening session that will help close the divide that exists or is developing between you and others in your community. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
0: You're listening to Stop Telling and Start Listening. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Or you can email Dave at dave at thecookgroupllc.com. Now, back to the show with David.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is David Cook uh, with the final leg of this episode of Stop Telling and Start Listening today we are talking about the four pillars of personal leadership. Um, hopefully you stayed with me this long. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm not a big fan of uh, lecture podcasts. I don't like monologues. This is something that quite honestly um, I'm uncomfortable with. It's not this is not my thing but I this is a message that I'm very passionate about, very committed to so I'm this is what I chose today as a result of finding out I was going solo. Um, and we're talking about the four pillars of personal leadership, and that is the four are our, our, embrace responsibility, live with passion, practice humility, and commit to persevere. And I guess, the, you know, the best way to talk about these things is, you know, share a couple of stories where I can give you some examples of what it looks like when, when, when we're in those moments. Um, the, the best example is, is the, the story of sick Grieves pass, um, and that's sit Greaves, S-I-T-G-R-E-A-V-E-S pass in um somewhere, Arizona. <laughs> um, on about 2017, 2016, I was on a bike ride from uh Santa Monica, California to Chicago with a with an intention of ending up in New York City. Sadly, the trip ended in Detroit. Um, something that I'm still wrestling with in terms of uh giving myself enough credit for something that didn't end up according to plan. And maybe we could talk about that too, but, um, coming out of the Colorado river base, my, um, you know, the, I spent the night in the, in Havasu or something, Cal, uh, uh, Nevada, California, Arizona, who knows all those areas, Bullhead city. Um, the next stop on the, on the ride was really Kingman, Arizona, but we had to go through Oatman and coming out of the Colorado river valley. Uh, Because it's the Colorado River Valley, and it's very close or near sea level, everything out of there is up. So I rode and rode and rode, and, you know, uh, it was dry, it was hot, it was windy, it was hilly, it was mountainous. And for, I don't know, the first 40 or 30 miles of the ride, I feel like everything I was doing was pretty much uphill. I went through a lot of water, I was cranky, I was tired, it was painful but I remembered, you know, I was on, on mission. I was on plan. I got to Oatman. I was all excited. There's a whole bunch of, it's a town that's filled with a bunch of um, uh, boroughs that just run freely you know, donkeys run freely around the streets. It's a very eclectic, crazy kind of place. And I connected up with Mark, my limo, my uh, support driver and the van and I stopped and I got a drink of water and I think, thank God that's behind me. You know, I didn't see any mountains in front of me. So I'm figuring I'm at the, highest elevation I need to be at that day, um, grabbed a snack. And then Mark says, okay, I'm ready to go. Mark says, okay, I'll see you a couple miles down the road. And I didn't hear him say that at the time until you know later and reflecting on it. But he got a couple miles down the road. Okay, sounds good. I'll see you. And I started to head out and I made this right turn. And next thing I know, it's like, holy crap. And in front of me is this big, steep, really steep um, hill with switchbacks. And I look up um, up rather high up in the air, almost like over my, you know, to the top of my head, and I see cars. And I realize that these switchbacks lead me to the top of this thing that's almost straight up above me. And it's like, holy crap, this is going to be hard. This looks like the hardest stretch of road I've had so far in the early stages of this. I think I was day four or day five on my trek across the country. But I'm thinking like, holy crap, this is going to be brutal. And so I just, what I did was I got on the bike and I said, let's see how this goes. And so I throw it into the easiest gear and I start to pedal and I get to the very first switchback and I'm gassed. I'm done. I'm beat. It's like, holy shit, that was really hard. And I just stopped to take a break, catch my breath, get my heart rate back down, get my head together. And I'm looking like, oh my gosh, this is going to be hard. And so then I settle in and I say, you got to go, you got to go, stay with it. And so I peddled up over to the next switchback, zigging and zagging across the road to keep momentum, to neutralize the steepness of the climb, et cetera. And I got to the next switchback and I stopped again. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm only four days into this ride and I'm already done. There's no way I'm going to be able to get over these this thing and get to the top um do this stuff I started to doubt myself I started to get really mad at myself I was getting disappointed because I'm struggling to honor my commitment all that stuff it was terrible and I just like oh I don't know how I'm gonna do this and um then I just kind of like said okay let's give this another shot you got to do this Dave and after the first stop and the second stop where I really was convinced I had been beaten um I found a way somehow just to keep pedaling keep moving and get over to the top of uh sick grease pass sure enough my buddy my van uh support driver mark was waiting for me so it was about 20 other people who applauded as i summited the top of sick grease pass and navigated those uh, switchbacks and just kind of thinking back on that thing is like i look at that as one of my greatest mental accomplishments i don't know how many people who are listening to this podcast know me but i'm not one of the three smallest guys in the world um, you know, I'm stocky. I'm not tall, but I'm stocky. I'm 5'10". I'm two hundred 230 pounds. Um, I'm not designed for hills. I'm designed for downhills, not uphills. And so physiologically going, doing a steep climb that is, a, is a lot to ask of me. But when I look back on that, that ride, and I think back to the, just like we talked about the four pillars of personal leadership is um, embracing responsibility. What is, what is it? I had to get over that hill. I have. I'm. I'm on a bike ride for um, my nonprofit. I'm doing um, um, uh, education and outreach and awareness work for people, families dealing with substance abuse issues in the family. The path that I've chose was this path. I have no place to go. This is the path that I'm on. I chose to be on this path. I have to get. I have to do it. Um, live with passion i'm doing something that I've always wanted to do. I always want to ride my bike across the country i've and I stand for um loving encouraging supporting moms and dads and and children who are dealing with substance abuse and issues in the family and so this is it i'm on, I'm on my journey I got to do this um practice humility. Yeah, this isn't going to be easy. I have no how I'm going to do it, but I can get there as people encouraged me or as I knew that my van driver, the, you know, was waiting for me. It's like, I, you know, I can do this. I People believe in me. People are counting me. I can do this. And then the last piece is commit to persevere. Hardest climb I've ever made in my life by a mile. It's also my greatest celebration because I found a way, I found a gear I found, and I just leaned into it and got there. That's that's what this is about. It's 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 taking the unexpected and turning it into the result we we desire to turn it into. Um, I won't say that it was sexy. I don't say that I was fast. I don't think. I don't want to say that I just you know cocky Dave went over the hill. I know I experienced a lot of humility. This isn't my jam. I'm not. I'm not sure that I'm strong enough, fast enough, powerful enough to do this. Um, I know my limitations, but I committed to doing this. I believe that I need to do it. It's something that stirs me inside to make sure that I can stay on this trip and accomplish the things that I desired to accomplish. I embraced responsibility. That's what got me over the hill. It wasn't some super effort, effort of positivity. It was more like just keeping everything in check and remembering who I am, what I stand for, where I'm going, why I'm doing this, and what's in store for me when I get there. So that's how i look at at these experiences um the other one that i would uh, that i would um take a long look at is the whole idea of you know what i what i did in my life as it relates to the substance abuse issues is i started out thinking that i had to, that then you know, my life what's the life that i decided my life that i desire is i decided for all my kids to go to college Get married, have kids, be happy, make a lot of money, blah 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 blah. Okay, um, that's the path I wanted to be on. Yet my son um, struggled with something, and he's in a he, he's in a serious situation. It's like, okay, now what? Life isn't going according to plan. Now what? And I am and I in in I embraced responsibility as a dad and I changed the course of my life to reflect who I was, which is my dig, what drives, inspires, and guides me, my family. I embraced responsibility and put energy into loving my son in creative ways to help him find a way, but also help me find a way through the chaos. And in humility, I recognized that I'm not the dad I thought I was. (laughs) But then again at the same time it wasn't important about who i was as a dad as it related to this because we this wasn't about me this was about my son so the pivot the shift was in humility recognizing that this isn't about me and my journey as a dad it's uh, my journey as a good dad it's about me and my journey as my son's father and what does he need from me and then the last piece and what that whole thing is and the reason why we're having this talk is um, somewhere in there, rather than quitting, saying, give up on my son, give up on my life, um, just to resign myself to the fact that there's no hope. No, that's not what I said. It's like, I've got to find a way in the struggle to keep moving. I got to find a gear that allows me to navigate through this to get to where I desire to get. And so that's what we did. We leaned into that. And it it was a game changer for me in my life. But when you look at it, it's like, you know, perseverance and responsibility and, and passion and energy and humility all went into play together to, to make things happen, make that, make a difference in, in my life. And so when I look at the things that, that I need to do, um, like I said earlier, this isn't really about me, even though I'm talking about me in a sense, this really isn't a journey about me, selfishly me. It's about who I am and what i stand for that's your dig who i am and what i stand for where am i going what's the path i desire for my life what is the path i desire for others to exp- you know as people come across me what is it that i desire for others to experience of me with me through me and i have to accept you know embrace responsibility for that as well and so you know who what i stand for where i'm going and how am I going to celebrate that? How do we gonna, how do I measure success in a way that um, energizes me, um, affirms me, which you know we all I, I personally like to be affirmed, you know that hey, Dave, you know congratulations, you got a lot of drive, you got a lot of guts, you got a lot of spirit. I like hearing those things. But at the same time, while affirming me, recognizing that this this journey isn't about me, it's about who I'm interfacing with along the way. And how do they experience me in that journey as they're going along? Am I inspiring by the way I embrace responsibility or live my passion or practice humility or commit to persevere? I don't know. That's not the point. The point is, is that if I'm clear as to who I am, where I'm going, what I stand for, how I'm going to, uh, how others are going to experience that, what I've done is I've created a value system. I've given myself the freedom and the power and the authority to be who I am and be comfortable with who I am. I don't have to prove anything to anybody. I don't have to be something I'm not. I don't have to try to um, uh, keep things from others because I'm going to be authentic, I'm going to be real. I'm going to share my struggles because in humility, everybody does struggle. So I have to have the courage and the humility at the same time to be authentic and be transparent. So there's a lot of things that come out of this. you know. So I just look at the four wheels of personal leadership, and there are four pillars of personal leadership. Uh, we could talk about this a lot more. If you have questions, I'd love to have you follow up. But I'm a firm believer that when you embrace responsibility, you live with passion, you practice humility, and you commit to persevere your life just takes on more powerful things because you're operating from from within to engage from um, the people outside and engage yourself and put it to action and that's just you know that's what this is all about so anyway thanks for the let me have the monologue uh, it's not my not my jam normally um i appreciate those who stayed with us and listened to it if you have questions please reach out to me if you have comments please reach out to me I'm looking for guests, so if you'd like to be a guest on the show and you have something that you're particularly passionate about, have a story, passionately engaged with that you want to share with the world, let's talk, Um, because that's what the show is about, is sharing the joys and the challenges and the things that make life exciting for any of us. In the meantime, until next week, remember, open your heart, open your ears, open your mind, because once you start listening, everything changes. This is Dave Cook. Have a great week.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Stop Telling and Start Listening. We hope you've picked up on some useful ideas to help you enhance your conversational skills. Until we listen again, have a beautiful week.